Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Emma Gillette in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. And lucky you, you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, beautifully introduced there by Emma Gillette in Wisconsin, home of the Green Bay Packers, a thing a thing that I now know. Uh, Emma was bought that intro as an anniversary gift by her husband, Sam. And last year, Emma bought Sam a Tennis Podcast intro, which is the most wholesome, lovely, cute thing ever so thank you emma thank you sam for supporting the tennis podcast and introducing it so beautifully if you'd like to buy someone you know and probably like a tennis podcast intro as a gift then you can do just that just go to our friends the tennis podcast page that's tennis.supportingcast.fm and of course the link is also in our show notes and just one last bit of housekeeping from december the 8th we will be adding the chance to make your pet a tennis podcast mascot in 2024 among of course lots of other annual packages, all of which pale in comparison to being a pet mascot, let's face it. Uh, But just uh, in case any of them take your fancy, you'll be able to take us on at predictions throughout the year, the guest editor opportunities and executive producer opportunities as well. So December the 8th is when all of those will be going live once again. David's here. Hello, David. Back and refreshed after a holiday. Hello. Uh, Holidays are good, aren't they? (laughs) <laughs> I probably should have figured that out and some so, at some point in the last 30 years, um, and I might well take a few more of them, um, but uh, maybe not too often because we do have podcasts to record. Not that, not that I was required, by the way, the last week went, thanks to Pam Shriver and to you two getting up with Billie Jean at about 7am, so uh, maybe I'm not required. But anyway, I've very much enjoyed being on holiday and I'm very excited to be back. And the best news is that the moment for any kind of predictions gloating has has very much passed. It's it's really up to you, David, when you take your holidays. And this one just is fallen at an inopportune time for predictions gloating. So we move on and we move on to 
Matt Roberts joining us live on direct from Seville, Spain. How are we doing, Matt? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I was going to say the listener could probably tell that David was was back from holiday before we even introduced him because we started the show with some very very good efficient housekeeping, which is a which is a sign that David's back and on on top of his admin. That that always that always <laughs> slacks a bit when when David goes on a holiday. I always forget to put that sort of stuff in the agenda. But David's David's very good at it. Um, and yes, I am I'm very well here in Seville, and I made it to Seville, which is quite a feat considering the fact that lots of the players who are meant to be playing this tournament are still not here. So the fact I'm here, I feel I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, that, Matt might be having to play doubles for Australia. At this trade, <laughs> um, there's a there's a there's an opening. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows when and how that opening will be filled, uh, and more of that to come. But first, Matt, uh, you're there, of course, for the Billie Jean King Cup finals, which get underway in earnest tomorrow. Today has been media day. Uh, over the past forty eight hours, you have been uh, contributing greatly to media day. Uh, again. We'll we'll get we'll get onto the details shortly, and what details they are. But but first and foremost, your impressions of Seville, of the venue, of the event. You've you've tasted a lot of Billie Jean King Cup finals. Now you you I think of you as as an expert in this. Whenever an obscure tennis player comes up, Matt just has a knowing look on his face, and he's like, "Yeah, Billie Jean King Cup." <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding it? Yes, I think the true test will obviously come, you know, once the tournament gets underway and we really see uh, what the crowds are like. I think one caveat will probably be, you know, that first session tomorrow, that Tuesday 10 a.m. session is often often the sort of worst attended session of, of these events. So I think it will be, will be important not to try and sort of judge and jump to conclusions straight away. And hopefully the atmosphere will sort of build throughout the week. Um, we're in the Estadio Cartuja in, in Seville, which actually hosted the 2011 Davis Cup final between Spain and Argentina. It's an enormous stadium. It's the... It's the fifth biggest stadium in Spain with a capacity of around 60,000. But the tennis is is being played sort of on the field, but they're not using any of the actual seating of the stadium. What they've essentially done is built five big marquees or tents which sit in the middle of this enormous stadium. And three of them are practice court areas and they're, they're a bit smaller and two of them are the match courts and the largest match court has a capacity of around 4,000 and then the second court is, is is quite a bit smaller than that. So it does feel very temporary. Uh, you know, the stairs sort of clang a bit when you're, when you're walking up and down them. Um, but hopefully because the venue isn't too big, Hopefully they will be able to pack it out, that main stadium, and it will sort of aesthetically, I think, look better than some of the past editions of the Billie Jean King Cup finals where they've been in bigger stadiums and they haven't been able to fill them. And it's it's felt empty, even if, you know, there was a decent crowd in there. So I'm I'm quite positive that there'll be some ties this week uh, where we get a really good atmosphere in that main stadium because it is quite small. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean. 
size-wise, that sounds bang on to me in terms of creating a, a good atmos, making it feel like a big deal event, but also giving yourself a good chance of of packing it out and allowing it to feel full. But equally, temporary stadia within stadia make me nervous. Um, I've only experienced the Miami Open once, um, and look, they they do their very best with that venue, the turning the the Hard Rock Stadium into a tennis venue. But I just don't like it. You know, just it feels it feels makeshift. It feels yeah, com- like a sort of weird compromise. So look, time will tell. Time will tell. We we once had the Davis Cup match between the United States and Great Britain in was it in San Diego? I can't exactly remember. Mm. Well, the, that certainly was a tie that happened. Yeah, and I think that they had a similar setup there. I think that the uh the tennis was was part of a a bigger stadium and uh yeah, it, that had a slightly strange feel to it, but you know, I'm I I'm broadly encouraged by that report and 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 the sort of thinking behind it, the the kind of the way they've formulated and and put that together does sound like it might work. I think on the TV, you won't know that we're in a huge stadium because it is That's self-contained. Important. Yeah, um, very important. It's a, it's a little bit weird here. You have to sort of walk across the field a little bit to get to these marquees and these tents. So there is a little bit of a disconnect. But I think on TV, it will just come across as you're inside a sort of 4,000-seater venue. They haven't got Cancun sort of wind, have they? That might be buffeting (laughs) these uh, tents. David, I'm not sure anywhere has Cancun wind. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Don't don't let Cancun wind infect the Seville portion of the podcast yet. The Cancun wind (laughs) shall shall have its moment in the sun, uh, but but not right now, David. Let us just enjoy this moment of peace Um, and a moment of reverence, please, for. Uh, Matt's interview with Yulia Putin Saver. You have started your Billie Jean King Cup Finals 2023 experience on an absolute high, Matt. Tell the listeners everything. Well, I got off the plane yesterday and got into Seville at around midday and went to the hotel, and my hotel room was not ready. So I thought, well, I might as well go to site. So I dumped my bag, came onto site, and after we're very different people, Matt, in that situation. <laughs> and I have I have been in that situation more than once. I go and beg for some sort of closet that they'll let me nap in. In fact, there no need to go into details, but I haven't I have slept in a lobby of a hotel before. But anyway, she, or or she on a good. <laughs> Good day, she'll find the spa or something like that. <laughs> yeah, if if available, but or, or if know. not, oh. something else that rhymes with that, the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, as the rest of this anecdote will prove, that that's d- definitely the better way to do things because I sort of stitch myself up by by coming onto site and being very unprepared to be on site and and start working. But I was immediately like, right, okay, who can I? Who can I speak to? Who can I interview? And uh, the Kazakhstan team were in the press area, and I said, "Oh, could I, could I just get a, you know, a couple of minutes?" Was what I requested with Yulia Putin Saver off the back of her other press duties, 
and that was that was arranged for me. So there I am standing in a sort of corridor waiting for Yulia Putintseva to to come and speak to me. And I, I see her emerge from her prior media engagements, and and I already suspect that. I might be in for a challenging interview because she's she's got a look on her face which is suggesting that she has absolutely no intention of talking to me whatsoever. She basically has to be dragged over to me. Um, and she says, I need to go and practice. I need to go and practice. And I said, oh, well, you know, sure, but this <laughs> won't take long. <laughs> and and she, she made sure it didn't take long. <laughs> what was the question to second ratio uh, i asked four questions and it lasted 37 seconds and quite a lot of that was me asking questions i mean do we have the audio can we play that we we do have the audio i was i was going to save it as a little social media promo a little incentive for people to follow us on instagram because because I spent my Sunday doing a little edit of of uh, of this interview. I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my favourite thing ever. Um, so yeah, head head to our Instagram and I'll I'll pop it on there. Great. You, you, you Which is exactly not, what you Julia Putin Saver said to all of my questions. Great. <laughs> 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 um, next on the list of. Uh, Matt's Seville Tales is Bouchard anecdote. Mm. It this promises much, Matt. Well, it's it's just it's just more sort of a demonstration of why I should have gone to the bar or spa because yeah, I was I was, <laughs> I was just not on fire yesterday after doing the Putin saver and it going so horrifically. I thought I need to I need to put that behind me. I need to I need to speak to someone else so that the Putin saver interview isn't isn't the last thing that I've done because it was not my best work. Um, not hers either, I should say. Um, anyway, so I think I it was thought, better, right, better work from you than it was from her. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it it, it you captured working, her personality. You were working with pretty scant materials, I would say. It was like those movies, though, folks. So bad, it's great. <laughs> mm. um, so I went to Canada's press conference, and I just think it's quite interesting that Eugenie Bouchard is is here. Um, so I said to her, "You you you haven't played a Billy Jenkin cut match since since 2018." I was just wondering if you could sort of reflect on the on the rise of Canadian tennis in that time, because, you know, she sort of helped helped start the rise of of Canadian tennis, if you like her and her and Milos Raonic. Hang on. Hang on, Matt. Your question. I mean, great question editorially. But your question was, can you reflect on the rise of tennis in your country since you stopped being relevant? Not in those exact terms, but <laughs> okay, you, know. you, you have my attention. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, she she stopped me in my tracks mid mid question to say that I was wrong and that I had my facts incorrect, and that actually she had uh, been part of a Billie Jean King Cup tie since since 2018. She said I was in I was in the team in in 2020, but then I mean I must say she didn't actually play in that in that tie and that mm. that sort of was the question you haven't played since 2018 so i did i felt i didn't feel too bad but she said everyone forgets that she played in 
2020 or was part of that team in 2020. She said even her captain forgot. So suddenly I didn't I didn't feel too bad. So you were right and she was wrong, really. Yeah, I I would say so. But it was it was a little (laughs) bit of a moment of, oh, my goodness, I've I've messed up yet again. I am zero from two. What am I even doing here? But then she actually gave a very interesting answer and spoke about how tennis has really risen in the last few years and, and the profile of the sport in Canada. She says she says it's second only to hockey uh ice hockey at the moment in Canada and she said that her um she tried to go and just get a practice court in Montreal the other day and she couldn't because all the courts were booked and she was she was a bit like well I am Eugenie Bouchard you know but you know so just a sort of sign that tennis seems to be sort of flourishing and and thriving in Canada even if this year a lot of their players haven't haven't quite hit the heights that we would have expected you know it has been a big big period for Canadian tennis and quite quite, just quite nice to see that it's maybe reflecting in the in the general population as well it was a nice answer she wasn't offended I don't think I I am curious to to whether their response to um I am Eugenie Bouchard is um yeah but Matt Roberts has told us you're not relevant anymore (laughs) (laughs) do you think she'll play Matt thinking of that team I I really don't know. I think um, obviously I'm sure Leila Fernandez will play as as the number one. She's in, coming into this in some good form, Fernandez, and they they need that. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Rebecca Marino has been quite a steady, quite reliable presence for them over over the last few years. So my my instinct would be that maybe she would play, um, but. All the captains really do not give you any sort of insight into in, into what their team selection might be. That is something that they're just all sort of pretty unprepared to talk about for for understandable reasons. Mm. It would be a bit of a story if she played, I think. Um, so that was yesterday. Uh, today, I believe you've you've uh, made a beloved USA uh, retiring captain Kathy Rinaldi cry twice. Twice, sorry, <laughs> twice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on fire. So I mean, what I should say is that um, this is my one portion of the podcast where I get to moan about lunch. Is that something I'm allowed to do? That's the sort of thing that listeners like to hear when we it's, when it's we go on location to places. You, Matt. Yeah. Yep. Have Have you ever been to a tennis tournament where lunch isn't essentially self service? Um, where it's like you sit down, like a, a waiter sort of comes and takes your order. Correct. In a in a press room. Correct. Sounds no. lovely. No, I have not. I agree, David. It sounds it sounds lovely, but if you think about it, incredibly impractical. Because <laughs> I turned up to lunch with you know, about 20 minutes to go before the Team USA press conference, thinking that was plenty of time to just serve myself and eat. But I sat down and waited and waited and waited, and eventually someone came over to take my order, and then I waited and waited and waited for them to bring me the food. And at that point, it was it was two minutes before USA were meant to do their press conference. So I was suddenly brought my food, had to eat as much of it as I possibly could in that time and then had to go out and and leave to go to the press conference to make sure I didn't miss it. Then, of course, the US team were 25 minutes late. So (laughs) 
I could have had a very nice leisurely lunch, but actually I didn't. I barely had lunch at all. So and, I just wanted so to get I, that in I, there. I feel like the listeners should know if they don't already, Matt takes lunch very seriously. <laughs> Matt's very yeah. French about lunch. It's coming across. <laughs> so that was the background. <laughs> yep, important. Uh, and then the, I mean, it was a great press conference actually with with the US team. They were they were all um, very giving and very sort of generous with their thoughts. And they'd all been doing some other little bits of media before the press conference. And um, Peyton Stearns, who's who's part of the team, was apparently walking on her hands during that portion of media. And then I subsequently found out during the press conference that she, she used to be a gymnast. She didn't, she didn't used to want to play tennis professionally when she was younger. She thought she would go into gymnastics and that was something she I didn't know about. She does look Peyton like Stearns. one of those um, multi-sport athletes, doesn't she? Mm. Yeah. Um, if she weren't a tennis player, she'd be doing another athletic pursuit she looks like one of those annoying people yeah <laughs> so she was doing that the the u.s team were all in good spirits uh but what i wanted to to sort of get into in the press conference was to speak to kathy winnelly about the fact that this is her final week as the billy jean king cup captain she's she's staying on i believe as the as the head of sort of women's tennis development at the usta but this is her her final week in in this role and I just asked her to sort of reflect on that and and I asked her whether it felt different being here this week, knowing it was her last, because interestingly, Alicia Mollick is also stepping down as the Australian captain and she'd been in the press conference room earlier and she said, no, it doesn't feel any different. I'm just getting on with the job. It's another tie. And she was all, you know, very sort of stoic about it. And, you know, I just wondered whether that would be the same for Cathy Rinaldi. I, I suspected not. And that was very much the case. This this emotion just came pouring out of her. She she you know she was very tearful, really struggling to even get her words out. And and clearly that has been a running theme this week because she started crying and and the and the players you know by her side Taylor Townsend, Sloane Stevens, Peyton Stearns, Danielle Collins, Sophia Kennan, who are here this week, you know were consoling her but also saying. Oh no, Kathy's crying again. That means we're going to have to do um, some suicide shuttle runs on the court. They've obviously got this running joke in the team that whenever Kathy Rinaldi starts getting a bit tearful, the fact that this is her last tournament as Billie Jean King Cup captain, they all need to do a bit of extra fitness. Um, so Taylor Townsend called me out and said that because I was the one who had made Kathy Rinaldi cry, I I need to join them in their oh, in yes, their please. in their shuttle runs, which I thought hell no, but also you know that would be good content, wouldn't it? When's that happening? You simply <laughs> must make that happen. Um, and the thing is, it happened twice. So you know, I I, I put that first question to Kathy Rinaldi, and and she got quite. Uh, tearful just talking about how, how different it does feel this being her last tie and then I asked Sen Stevens a question I said you're in this incredibly tough group with Czech Republic and Switzerland you know Czech Republic so dominant in this competition over the last decade or so Switzerland obviously the defending champions 
is it is it even possible for the USA to be underdogs? You know that that isn't a very USA thing. You're you're never the underdogs, but do you feel like that in that group? And Sloane Stevens was pretty emphatic. She said, uh, "The thing about the US, we're so strong. We always have an A, B, C, D, E team that can go out there and kick everyone's ass." And she said, <laughs> and she said, us being here, it, it being Kathy's last tie, we show up always, but this tie in particular, we're showing up for more than ourselves, more than our country. We're playing for our captain. And then that set Kathy Winaldi off again. And um, Sam Stevens noticed that it was me who'd asked the question again. And they were like, it's the same guy making Kathy Winaldi cry every single time. Um, but yeah, big, big, <laughs> strong words from Sloan Stevens and Kathy Rinaldi said, yeah, I, I hate the idea that people are casting this as our B team, you know, because obviously Jessica Pagula is not here. Coco Goff's not here. Madison Keys pulled out pretty late as well, but it is still a very, very strong team. And I, I do sense that there is some, some extra motivation there with it being Kathy Rinaldi's last tie. They, they want a good send off for her that 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 much is clear. In lots of ways, I mean, obviously, Jessica Bugula and Coco Goff put their hand up to be available and you're absolutely biting it off. But I do think it makes Catherine Aldi's life quite a lot simpler. Them not be an exhausted Goff and Pagula, who on paper are your best singles and doubles players showing up from, from Cancun. Um, obviously, it, it has its pluses, but it has its minuses as well. That that would be an incredibly complicated situation, I think, for Cathy Rinaldi. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting one, the US team. Um, and, and although in singles we haven't got any players coming over from Cancun, in doubles, where, of course, that's a massive feature of the Billie Jean King Cup and Davis Cup final as well, we do have doubles players coming over and I do wonder how, well... I mean, there was the very amusing side of the situation illustrated today when he sent us a picture, Matt, of the Czech press conference, which I think visually summed up the silliness of the situation so perfectly. Yes, uh, because the Czech team who were here were all present at the press conference. Uh, Marie Buzkova, Linda Noskova, uh, Marketa Vondrosheva, Captain Peter Pala, and then at either side of the bench, they had cardboard cutouts of Katerina Siniakova and Barbora Krejcikova. Uh, these big, sort of huge cardboard cutouts of their of their heads, uh, and 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 their smiling, beaming smiles, and just sort of representative of the fact that they are not able to be here yet because because they've been in Cancun, as you said, uh, playing playing the doubles there. I think that was quite a good approach by the Czechs. They were sort of, as you said, sort of showing the absurdity of it, but also trying to make light of it and, you know, trying not to let it sort of really get them all down, I suppose, and get them all irritated. You know, they've, they've still got a strong team even with Siniakva and Craig Sheikova arriving late. Uh, Vondrosheva has won 12 matches in a row in this in this competition, having lost the very first match she played. She's unbeaten since then. Um, and yeah, I think there is that balance because, all, of course, all the players who are stuck in Cancun, 
you know, and Australia have been most affected. Um, they're there because they've been doing well in that tournament, you know, mm. and and Mollick doesn't want, you know, her, her team to be arriving hopelessly out of form. You know, it's good. It's a good thing that Storm Hunter and Ellen Perez have, have been playing well in, in Cancun, but obviously it, it's not ideal at all for their preparations. There is one singles player who was, who was in Cancun, Elena Rabatkina, uh, yes, is 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 coming over and and going to be playing for for Kazakhstan, um, but yeah, it that very much is is a talking point. The fact that so many of these teams are affected by that. Germany are also affected because uh, Laura Siegemund is is in the doubles final in Cancun, and also they didn't have their their young player Ava Lees. She was late arriving here in in Seville. She was caught up in the hostage situation at Hamburg Airport oh, over the last 24 hours. That she was meant to be flying out of there, and and her flight was cancelled. So all sorts of all sorts of sort of tough preparation for a lot of these teams. And I think dealing with that is going to be a big part of it. And it, it who knows? But it felt like the Czechs had had the right sort of approach to it i suppose yeah and australia of course ellen perez um being very outspoken on uh, on social media about the situation she's in the final with uh, her partner nicole melica martinez in uh, in cancun it's just i mean it's you couldn't make it up it's i mean she she was asking oof. for anybody with a private jet to help her out uh, on twitter and and i mean by my calculations, I just I don't think it's actually humanly possible for her to get from the final to the starting line for the 10 a.m. match that she is supposed to be a part of if she was going to represent Australia on Tuesday. Not, not even close, I don't think, with the time difference. No. So the so the doubles final was meant to be at a time that would have given her 36 hours to be able to get over to Seville, which, you know, isn't a lot of time anyway when there's when there's no direct flight uh but as it is it's going to be about a 12 or 13 hour window from the end of that doubles final to the start of the Billie Jean King Cup here and and, and Australia are playing in the first tie so it's 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 impossible um some of the other players coming over have have later starts in the week uh, I think a lot of teams aren't aren't starting till Thursday so hopefully a lot of them will be able to to play but it's yeah it's it's a mess, really. So what do we got, Matt? We have uh, Group A, Group B, Group C, Group D. You can see where I'm going with that. Group A is <laughs> Switzerland, Czechia and the USA. Group B is Australia, Kazakhstan and Slovenia. Group C is Spain, Canada and Poland. And Group D is France, Italy and Germany. Which group is being termed as the group of death? Because you can't have a round robin uh, event without a group of death those are apparently the rules and that is pretty obvious i think in, in this one it's the switzerland czechia usa group as i said last last year's champions uh usa always such a force and 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 czechia who have so many good female players as we know so i think that one is is particularly strong and the winner the winner of that group will play the winner of group C which is the Spain Canada Poland group so only only one goes through and they're they're straight through to the 
the semi-finals that's how that's how this competition works and and just to wrap up the uh, Billie Jean King Cup preview portion of this podcast I I'm not letting you get away without a prediction Matt David you can volunteer one if you'd like but I won't press you but Matt as as the expert and and the man that's making women cry left right and center your penance is to put your neck on the line it was one woman two times not women <laughs> sorry <laughs> let the court transcript show uh gosh what a question i'm going to america there you go kathy's got something really to cry about at the end with joy yeah i I'm quite the thing is by the US as well. They've they've got so many singles options. It, it's just a question of getting the getting the makeup of that team right, you know. And I, I think you know determining it against matchups and that sort of thing. But I was I was pretty persuaded by how much they were all up for this and how how vibrant and fresh they all felt and in good spirits. And yeah, I don't know that that feels like such a big part of this event everyone is so fatigued at this time of the year you know i remember last year switzerland had absolutely made it their mission to win this tournament after what happened to them two years ago and in, in a slightly less determined defiant way it feels like the u.s team are sort of on that on that sort of mission this week as well so i certainly think whoever can come through that that group of death as you put it those feel like the three strongest teams in the competition. Um, but but don't sleep on Kazakhstan if Rabatkina shows up because she's the highest highest ranked player here. And and having Putin Saver as number two, you know, she's so used to playing as number one and sort of playing above her level and, and getting some some good wins. But she's got Rabatkina now, and I don't know. They they feel like quite a strong pairing, but coming coming from Cancun is is going to be tough. So I. I I like the US pick. Well, what's the court surface again? I think you said it earlier, but what, just remind me. Hard court, yeah. And you won't be surprised to learn. Some players think it's fast. Some players think it's slow. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> if Nadal was there, he'd say it's about the ball. <laughs> um, one, one last pressing Billie Jean King Cup Finals question for you. Of course, we've got daily podcasts coming for you th throughout the Billie Jean King Cup um, from today. Well, this is the first of them through until the end of the week. Uh, but just before we move on in this show, uh, why is Ryan Harrison there? What is what what is his involvement in anything? I saw him on Instagram saying hello from the Billie Jean King Cup, and I thought I haven't thought about you for a long time. Why are you here? I believe Ryan Harrison has a connection to Danielle Collins. No, I think he might be part of right. her yes. coaching setup. Okay, and is is that normal for players to bring their own yeah. team? That's interesting, isn't it? Yes, that is a good question. I think I think they quite often have sort of someone here, but you're right. Normally, it it, it very much sort of falls on the on the sort of national coaching setup and, and 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 just the people involved in the in the squads uh yeah maybe so maybe some digging to do there also also in seville uh and not had don't know if he's on site haven't seen him on site today but stefanos sitsipas has 
has come mm. over because Paola Bolosa is is back. Um, she said she's fit to play. She said she's no longer in pain, which is obviously really good news because it's been a it's been a very tough season of injury for her. Uh, but whether whether she's picked uh, is is another matter, given that she's not played a match since Wimbledon, I believe. Um, but she was desperate to be part of the fold again with Spain here at home. Uh, and yeah, Sitsipas Sitsipas made it to Seville, but of course he'll be going off to to Turin. Well, you'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows with those two? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, so that all kicks off tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, as we come to you now on Monday the sixth of November. It all kicks off tomorrow with Switzerland against Czechia and Australia against Slovenia. And we'll be back with you with more tales of Matt making women cry at the end of day one. Uh, On to other tennis things. We'll give you a brief update on the WTA finals in Cancun. We will be back tomorrow with the uh, episode that was due to be scheduled for today. Today was due to be double podcast day. That will now be tomorrow because, of course... The finals, both the singles and the doubles finals at the WTA finals. Have I said finals enough? Finals. Uh, They have both been delayed due to, again, if I mentioned the bad weather in Cancun enough, they've been delayed due to the bad weather in Cancun. Um, So, look, we'll be doing a podcast tomorrow pretty much dedicated to uh, the conclusion of the... 2023 season on the WTA Tour and that will be crowning either Iga Svantec or Jessica Pagula as the champions and either Vera Zvonoveyeva and Laura Siegmund or Ellen Perez and Nicole Melikar-Martinez as the doubles champions but just to very briefly touch upon the semi-finals that we saw well over the course of who knows when we saw them Sometime each of them over the last 48 hours. <laughs> uh, Pagula beating Goff 6 2 6 1, and Shiontek beating Sabalenka 6 3 6 2. Our takes from Saturday, Matt, have so far, Touchwood, aged spectacularly well. Mm, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it just it felt like those two were just playing a level of tennis above everyone else in the competition and dealing with the conditions so much better than everyone else. And that is what came to pass in the semifinals as well. I I didn't manage to see uh, Sviontek Sabalenka last night, so I'll let you talk about that. But I was very, very impressed with with Jessica Pagula yet again, just just took care of that matchup against against Coco Goff and uh is 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 playing some of the best tennis I've ever seen from her really on the on such a good run now against uh against top opponents and it does make for a really intriguing final because Pagula's obviously had a couple of wins over Iga Svantec this year and that is not something that she she'd done before this year but can she do it when Iga Svantec is going for year end number one and looks just so determined and I'm absolutely fascinated how that's going to go. I think it's uh, I think it's, it's the right final because those two have just been so much better than everyone else in that tournament. Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? In finals. And I know there've been so many extraneous factors uh, this week in Cancun, but in a, in a 
round robin WCA finals, usually it all feels, every match feels very up in the air all the way through, you know, even when there's a standout world number one, because it's the best eight players in the world, it all feels quite unknown. And yet it has felt like from the word go, these two have been in a in a different class to the rest of the field. And it absolutely feels like the right final. I think Jessica Bagula has been stunning all week with with how she's coped with everything. But Iga Shontek looks like an immovable object to me. She was so good against Arena Sabalenka. It was a it was a disappointing match, especially given it was kind of the first match that felt like just a tennis match. The the conditions were pretty okay for it. Um not too much not too much wind, no rain. Um obviously it was, you know, twenty-four hours late because of rain. Um, but the footwork of Iga Svantec, David, in that match. I mean, it was highlighted a little bit by I think how sluggish Sabalenka's footwork looked. Honestly, there were Sabalenka looked like she was reaching and out of position, like she was just planting, planting the foot a split second too soon a lot of the time. But by which, you know, end of season, end of an incredibly long and draining week, all very understandable. But the sharpness of Iga Svantec was fearsome i thought in that match yeah i i would say that is as peak a shviantek looking physical performance as i can remember all year i mean i think she's played tennis of that ilk and maybe better on the clay but <clears throat> given what what you're up against with the conditions which this was my first real exposure to them uh watching I, i've seen bits and bobs over the course of my holiday week but it was middle of the night so really i i left it to the two of you and it was i mean it was really interesting to listen to your podcast and and see and listen and watch this match unfold and just everything makes sense from what you'd said seeing it with my own eyes just how violent these weather conditions suddenly were and what these players were having to put up with and, and what the crowd were having to put up with but the way that shvantec was just able to adapt and alter her 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 foot placement unparalleled from what i've seen now i haven't seen pagula play i've been watching these score lines flash by these people she's been drubbing you know the manner in which she's been winning them and and i do think that this is one of the most extreme versions of two standout players at a finals tournament that have ended up meeting in the final i can't remember too often players standing out to that degree and it feeling inevitable even with all the other players on the slate who could interrupt things they just they were so far and away the best players um but i did think you know maybe maybe sabalenka is has showed shown a little bit of her vulnerability there in those particular conditions. Another extreme, but Svantec could handle them. She couldn't. And, uh, and I, I'm really pumped for this final. I, I'm, I'm hopeful um, based on what we've, what we've had so far. Yeah, me too. I'm super pumped for it. The, uh, the doubles final, well, the doubles final is actually starting very soon as we record Siegmund Zvonareva against Perez Melikar. Siegmund and Zvonareva had beaten Storm Sanders and Elisa Mertens in their semi-final. And uh, just a note on that is that Storm Sanders is crowned the year-end number one in doubles. So 
congratulations to her. And we will have more on the finals of the WTA finals in tomorrow's first of two podcasts. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live. And you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Uh, Now, the final section of today wraps up the final, oh my goodness, the final ATP Masters 1000 event of 2023 uh, before, of course, it heads to Turin for their finals uh, starting on Sunday. I'll be flying out there to cover it for Prime on Friday. We now know the lineup. I'll come on to that in a minute. But first and foremost, let's talk about a seventh Paris indoors title for the supreme Novak Djokovic, 6-4-6-3 over Grigor Dimitrov in the final and two crushing defeats prior to that of of relative youngsters. Holger Rune, I think 6-4 in the third for him. Uh, Djokovic over Rune in the semifinals and 7-5 in the third over Andre Rublev in the quarterfinals. You've got these young guys, and I'm going to, for the sake of the narrative, include Grigor Dimitrov in that for a moment, throwing everything they've got at Novak Djokovic and him just batting it away, him just having enough in the end. I mean, where Novak Djokovic at this stage of his career finds the motivation for events like Paris, I I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I'm in awe of it. It's It's quite something, David. Yeah, I think what you've just described, the the youth coming through, people that are 10 and more years old, younger than him, 
is the motivation and 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 also this window that he now has of being the man of of not having Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal to suck up all the oxygen of of the sport and he can stick his chest out and have his way and you know his his defiance and his just come on then let's have it I I think that's what it's all about. I'm amazed as well. And I was really intrigued because those three players were all playing well and pushing him and and challenging him. And it wasn't a grand slam. What, what, where was the edge going to come from? Was the edge going to be there? And I, I thought a couple of times, surely this is, this is the event at which somebody just gets the better of him because the grand slam edge isn't there at the moment he'd win this match in three months time or two months time it's in melbourne but he won't win it here and he just showed that no actually i want this enough and and i think it all goes hand in hand with the way he's now marking match victories no longer throwing his heart out to the crowd we just don't see that anymore it's all about check me out all of you people who are giving me a hard time well, I won anyway. It's that whole thing. And honestly, I love that. I, I I like that Novak Djokovic so much more. And I think it's he's getting a chance to come into his own in that regard. I mean, personally, the, the tennis itself, as brilliant as it is, the the I I I think the the fact that he ends up winning them all ends up becoming a bit boring sometimes. Um, but that's not his fault. So who who why should he care? Um, it, it is up to these other lads to find a way. And frankly, they just can't. Um, you know, I, I'm still confident that Carlos Alcaraz is going to have something to say about that over the, the next year's worth of Grand Slam tournaments. But it is mind-boggling what Djokovic Sorry, is, David, is I think, doing. I think you meant three years there. Yeah, well, yeah, three years, yeah. five years, ten years. <laughs> 40 grand slams <laughs> there was a moment in in Novak Djokovic's match earlier in the week with Talon Greekspor which was another really close match where it looked like Djokovic might be might be going out where Greekspor broke Djokovic back in the third set to make it four all and the crowd were really getting on Novak Djokovic's back you know they were they were they were giving it to him. Djokovic just smiled at them. And I thought, oh, that's terrible news for Greek sport. It's it's <laughs> over now. And and Djokovic didn't lose another point. He just won eight <laughs> points in a row to close the match. And it, it's extraordinary how, how many times we've seen that. And and the fact that he wasn't he clearly wasn't feeling all that well during Paris. So he, he basically had diarrhea, I think during during the week and he was sort of battling that and I mean how long ago does Wimbledon feel like to me Wimbledon feels like so long ago Novak Djokovic has not lost a tennis match since Wimbledon he's he's entered three tournaments he's won them all and I think that is now become one of his other strengths over everyone else his his ability to pick and choose which tournament he plays ensures that he's, I think he is fresh and he is motivated every time that he plays. And he said that he wants to sort of break every record that is possible for him to do. And I completely believe that that now is part of his motivation. And I think one that is within 
site now that I never really thought would be possible is the is the most titles generally. You know, not not necessarily record. big titles. It's, it's Jimmy Connors' record. I think he's I think he's twelve behind that now, and he's about uh, is it six behind Federer? Mm. So like both of those feel like potential records that that he could go for and therefore a week like Paris sort of takes on perhaps a little bit more significance than it might otherwise. And yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I think I tweeted after, after Wimbledon that it was like the, the tectonic plates of men's tennis had shifted and he's just, he's just put them back in place. He's just like, <laughs> no, they haven't. I'm, I'm still the guy. <laughs> I yeah. do, uh... oh, David, did you just quote a meme? <laughs> I, I quoted the great Michael Jordan um, oh. in that, well, in that yeah. in, well, which yeah. was a meme from his uh, incredible yeah. documentary. You but, did a meme, David. Yeah, I did. Who'd have thought it? Uh, it, it almost <laughs> feels like a personal meme towards me at this point, having uh, said uh, there'd be 12 Grand Slam titles in a row for <laughs> yes. our cross, but there we are. I mean, look, the, there is a um, there is there's a debate to be had. I know some people think that, look, and this can be true alongside Novak Djokovic's greatness, I think, that it doesn't look good for men's tennis that Novak Djokovic, age age nearing 37, is still just so dominant, so, so dominant. I know Carlos Alcaraz beat him in the Wimbledon final, but, you know, barring absolute peak Carlos Alcaraz redlining it, nobody else can do it. <laughs> nobody else can do it, and he's coming up to 37 and yes he's extraordinary he's absolutely extraordinary but I'm not sure it looks great that that nobody's Andy Murray voice getting any closer um and that's not to say uh, not necessarily in score lines like he 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 had some close matches this week I do I do enjoy Runa Djokovic matches they're a lot of fun um I'm enjoying Runa being I don't think he's back to his peak but I'm enjoying him not being in the wilderness again I think it's a benefit to the ATP finals lineup that he has qualified the lineup of course is uh set and uh poor old Hubert Hercatch falling just short at the last he'll be the first alternate in Turin Runa clinching the final spot Zverev Sitsabas Rublev uh, and of course, Sina Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Djokovic. Um, Grigor, David, Grigor. He was looking good, wasn't he? Looking dangerous, <laughs> ready to do some damage. And he did some damage, just not the ultimate damage at the end there. But, oh, it's just been a joy to watch him play like this. So it, it does make me a little wistful. And I think even it makes him a little wistful about what might have been years ago. Um, he was asked about that. what was in those tears, maybe? A, a bit. And I, 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 I think maybe more that, well, I think he, he's, he, he's seeing his own tennis mortality a little bit now because he's in his 30s. I think he's surprised himself a bit by how far he's come in the last year, but at the same time, he's really worked for it and he's 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 crafted this way of playing that is probably the way he should have been playing all along. Um, and that's huge credit to him and his 
team of Danny Valverde, who managed to do the same thing with him six years ago when he got to the semi-finals of, of the Australian Open, albeit with a more dynamic game. And Jamie Delgado, who's come on board and just put this slice, this gorgeous slice of his into practice in every single match he's played all year. And I mean, it hasn't always worked. There are certain limitations to, to just playing that shot uh, as your way of coping in rallies. But I do, I do suspect that he's just enjoying the fact that he's back and still, and loving the kind of the effect he's ha- he's having on people watching him, and he's just a bit sad that he isn't quite able to get over the line and hold the trophy at these very biggest tournaments. Um, maybe he is a bit wistful. There was this this question put to him in in one of the press conferences about regrets do you wish you could have done this earlier and and he he said you know maybe yeah maybe yeah but i can't but then he's very quick to say but i can't think about that i've i can only control this now and i want to i still want to do things i just think of all those years that we used to talk about how he didn't have reliable point winning rally sort of strategy you know, he didn't have patterns of play that could reliably win in points. He did, he, like I said, under Valverde, he said to us at the time, we interviewed him and he said, it's a, around his serve, his forehand and his movement. That's his game. Well, now it's also around the slice and he plays much more like Dan Evans does uh, in, in terms of using that shot. And I just think he could have, he probably would have won a Grand Slam had he been able to provide that strategy to a 22-year-old body, not a 32-year-old body. I'm going to ask a question now, which I already regret. So just uh, <laughs> bear, bear, bear with me on this. Those are the best ones. The answer and, is you uh, never know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not... I, I loved seeing uh, what Griggle did this week and that, that those tears after the defeat in the final, which which wasn't very close. I was a little bit disappointed in him in the final. He just got Djokovic'd. So he just, it, it felt to me like he fell into all the traps, which of course is what Djokovic does to people. There's no shame in it. But I, you know, I was just a little bit disappointed. Um, but but that aside, it's been an absolute joy seeing, seeing him produce, not just this week, but of late, seeing him produce this kind of tennis and, and look this hungry, but I'm not going to suggest that he's going to erase any of that mental baggage and that he has much of a chance or any chance at all at a Grand Slam where Novak Djokovic stays in the draw. But let's say there's an opening. Let's say there's a window. Let's say Novak Djokovic gets injured. You know, these things happen. Doesn't happen very much, but... Windows happen. Timing is everything in tennis. Is Grigor Dimitrov as well placed as pretty much anyone else, apart from Carlos Alcaraz, who's obviously winning the next twelve Grand Slams and renders this question null and void? But you know that aside, he has beaten Alcaraz recently. Is Grigor Dimitrov as well placed as anybody to capitalize? No. No. <laughs> And, and the the thing is, the thing is, I don't think, Catherine, at the moment, I don't think it comes down to mental baggage anymore. I think he's he's handling it. I think he is able to produce his best tennis now for the first time 
well, there have been the snapshots of 2017, 2018, 2014 when he reached the Wimbledon semifinals. I think he, even more so now, I think he's, at the age he is now, he's probably lost some things because of just physical deterioration a little compared to what he was, but he's gained some stuff. And I think he's able to play his best tennis when it matters. I just think that isn't quite good enough. And it certainly isn't good enough against Novak Djokovic. I don't think it would be good enough against other players who would reach the sharp end of Grand Slams. And, I mean, honestly, how well did he play against Alexander Zverev at the US Open for two sets? And he should have been two sets up. And he wasn't. And he lost the match in four. And he just ended up fading. And Zverev's beaten him, what, five times this year? Something like that. Um, I just think him and probably people like Sinner they they just have too much for him over the course of a best of five set match uh, when you get to the real sharp ends. I think he could get to another semi-final. I do think he could get to another semi-final of a Grand Slam. Maybe a final if the draw really fell for him um, because he's, n- he's not going to beat himself anymore. That's the difference. He- his game is reliable. It's just I think these other guys are just a bit too good. I tried, Gregor. I'd love it, you. though, Catherine. I would love it for him if he could get to a final. Oh, I'd be, I think he'll be a factor in three that's, Grand Slams next season. Like, quarterfi- so quarterfinals or better. A, a factor. Well, yeah, I don't think he's going to, like, f- this year will have been a one-off and he will come out next year and just flame out. I think he'll be as good, if not better, next year. And he'll produce at the Grand Slams. And he'll have he'll have better draws, really, he should do, because he'll be higher-seeded and yeah. whatever. But yeah. just, I just don't know whether he can beat these guys, the top ones, the ones that caused him problems over five. Matt's just nodding. Yeah. I think, I think David said it all. I think, I think it's, it's not quite that he's, you know, having this absolute real peak at the end of the season. Like if this had come out of absolutely nowhere, I would be totally emphatic in saying no. Like he has had a really good season. He's not had bad losses throughout the season altogether. What he's found in the last month or so is, is an ability to close some of these matches against the best players. You know, he's beaten what I think four top 10 players since the U S open. Uh, and you know, he beat Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Hercac in the same week just now. Like that's that's really, really impressive. But I agree with David that over five sets, I I don't know if he can if he can keep that up against the likes of Medvedev, Zverev, Sinner, Alcaraz, and of course Djokovic. So yeah, I I think David's right. Okay. I'm afraid I agree, but I'm but you, I'm but so you glad I know. asked. But you, you never just, know. <laughs> you just never know. Um, I'm afraid we have to end on a pretty depressing note, but an important one. Uh, Alexander Zverev, as reported by Tamani Carriol in The Guardian, uh, has been issued a penalty order for bodily harm against his ex-girlfriend and fines totaling €450,000 by a court in Germany. A spokesperson for the Berlin Criminal Courts confirmed to The Guardian 
that the Tiergarten District Court issued an order against Zverev on the 2nd of October. Zverev is accused of physically abusing a woman and damaging her health during an argument in Berlin in May 2020. Zverev has received a fine of 90 daily rates of €5,000, totalling the 450000 Zverev denies the charge and has lodged an objection against the order. Berlin's public prosecutor's office has applied for the order to be issued in July. In German law, a penalty order is utilised by a public prosecutor's office when it does not consider a trial to be necessary such as when the case is relatively simple and there is compelling evidence in favour of the accusation. The defendant has a right to contest the penalty order leading to a public trial. Uh, given the world number nine ranked men's player has contested the penalty order, the Tiergarten District Court will hear from the defendant and plaintiffs again before a main hearing is conducted. A public trial is likely to be scheduled and Zverev retains the presumption of innocence before trial. Additionally, Zverev's former girlfriend has joined the Berlin public prosecutor as a co-plaintiff. Uh, in July, Zverev briefly addressed the potential penalty order. From my side, I completely rejected the allegations. My lawyers are taking care of the matter. I won't say any more about it. And in a statement on Tuesday, Zverev lawyer's Schertz Bergman confirmed that he had contested the penalty order, which they described as scandalous, and they argued against the accusations by the alleged injured party. The statement also said they had medical, uh, an expert medical evidence or some expert medical evidence that would support Zverev's denials. The procedure is scandalous. There can be no question of a fair constitutional procedure. Mr Zverev will take action against this using all means possible. Subsequently, the alleged victim, Brenda Patea, gave an interview to the German news outlet Süddeutsche Zeitung, extracts of which were translated on Twitter by Ben Rothenberg. Um, and they include, quote, one night in May 2020 in an Airbnb apartment in Berlin, Zverev is said to have pushed Patea against the wall and choked her during an argument. She then had pain in the throat and neck area and difficulty swallowing. Zverev denies any use of violence. Uh, Patea is, of course, the mother of, of Zverev's child that she gave birth to in 2021. She said that in that summer of 2021, Zverev's family lawyer uh, presented a draft contact contract that was about the financial security of her child. Among other things, she would have received a one-off payment of €100,000 and the right to live in the tennis professional's house. In return, she would have had to agree to numerous points committing herself to the strictest secrecy. From every to quote the strictest secrecy from everyone about all details of their previous life together, their previous partnership, their current relationship with each other. It is also required of her not to contact Olga Sharipova and to delete all pictures and videos of their child from Instagram and not to post any new ones, not even if the child could not be identified. Patea did not sign, according to the report. Uh, so that is the situation at the moment. Swarov has been issued uh, with that fine and the penalty order. Uh, he is contesting it and we await the date for a likely public trial. Lovely stuff. Uh, and just finally, uh, an update on the Simona Halep doping case. I noted 
over the past couple of weeks that Halep has been posting training videos and and photos on her on her Instagram she definitely wants to give the impression that you know I, I I'm still a tennis player I'm still assuming that I'm going to be able to be a professional tennis player again sometime soon um the update from this week is that her former coach Patrick Moratoglu has said in an Instagram post that he feels quote responsible for Simona Halep facing a four-year ban from the sport, quote, because it's my team, so me, basically, who brought her this collagen, um, suggesting suggesting that it's the supplement um, that is responsible, that, that it's this contaminated collagen supplement that's responsible for her testing positive. Obviously, uh, the ruling which stands in place at the moment states that it doesn't believe that it is responsible for the positive doping test but of course Simona Halep is contesting that uh, appealing the ban and taking it to the court of arbitration for sport uh, more <laughs> lovely stuff uh, does anybody have uh, any any made any any women cry in the last 10 minutes while I've been talking about that Matt we've got any any anything funny to end on fun funny f- silly anything uh not not any of those things but good news i would say is i read that uh alfie hewitt is going to end the year as world number 1 for the first time oh he, that is a good he, news story he 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 won uh, the masters title and that means that uh yeah he's he's going to be number 1 and, and and that's been one of his big goals because that's that's one of the things that he's not hadn't yet been able to achieve in his career but uh yeah that was that was a nice note to end on hopefully yeah lovely stuff and jack draper won a challenger event this week didn't he beat david goffin in the final there's an intergenerational clash if ever there was one (laughs) um which is great to see and again makes leon smith's davis cup final picks interesting sure does Mm. Anyway, I'd be going. Matt. I'd be going Draper if he's fit, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even before this week, I'd have been going Draper if he's fit. But um, for, for a single spot, you know, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd definitely want him playing one of those and, two matches. Well, and and Draper will not to get into the into the specifics of it, but Draper will if he plays, he'll be number two, and that's the that's the match that Britain that's really need that, to win because, yeah. of course, Novak Djokovic is 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 number one for Serbia. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Matt, you 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 have a stay of execution. We have to f- focus on the Davis Cup finals. Uh, channel all of your energies into making women cry in Seville for the next <laughs> for the next six days. And we look forward to the shuttle runs. <laughs> we do. I'm so pumped. And uh, just a reminder that the Matt meets Julia edit will soon be featuring on our Instagram. It is slightly edited for comedy purposes. I should I should say that uh, the the edit is about twelve seconds long. And of course, as disclosed, the actual interview was a whacking thirty seven seconds long. Should I say minutes? <laughs> seconds. Uh, so you know there's, there's a, a little bit of a little bit of comedy license in there um we'll be back tomorrow folks twice 
It's a, it's a double podcast day. Dave and I will be back in the morning and the three of us will be back in the evening to wrap up day one of the Billie Jean King Cup by Gamebridge Finals. It has been, it's been a pleasure. Let's go watch some tennis, shall we? Absolutely. Nodding doesn't work on a podcast, folks. Come on. <laughs> We've been over this. I need to have dinner first after my disappointing lunch. <laughs> Never, never get between Matt and a meal time, folks. Uh, we have our mascots. David's got Maisie. Oh, I've Maisie. got just, and Matt has Darwin. Oh, God, just, here we go. Just the one week of failure, Maisie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We've got an unassailable lead as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, C- Catherine's got to go for Finland, apparently. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean <laughs> King and Alana Kloss. Uh, Billie Jean got us chased through Richmond Park by a herd of deer earlier. Oh, wish we got Again. video of that. I have got video of that, yeah. Oh, great. The, the, no, this one was rather, this one was a little bit scary. Matt. It, it was fine. It was fine. I think the deer were actually scared of Billie Jean rather, rather than being threatening in any way. Uh, but she wanted to play and they didn't. <laughs> it wasn't an animals being friends situation. No, she she thought it could be, but she was she was wrong about it. Um, yeah, ch- head to our Instagram for that as well. Uh, we have our executive producers, Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. Hello to you. They are top folks, of course. And we have shout outs, Matt. We have Gerald Masterson in Glasgow. Hi, Gerald. Hello, Gerald. Like former pet mascot, Gerald the Cat. Hey. Absolutely. Any advances on that? Do we know anything else about Gerald? No. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Gerald. Thanks for being a friend. (laughs) Thanks, Gerald. We've also got Penny Scott Francis. Hello, Penny. Right, Penny. Penny says that her earliest tennis memory was watching Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova on court one at Wimbledon in 1980. They skipped classes at Arts Ed for entry tickets on the second Wednesday. Sounds like our What a memory. God, imagine having seen Martina and Billie, Billie Jean King. Hang on, Martina and Billie Jean King playing one another or both on the schedule? Presumably the latter. Uh, no, I th- think potentially playing one another. Wow. Penny. No wonder you're a tennis fan 30, no, 43 years later. That's awesome. Thank you, Penny. W- would you believe, Please. Matt, would you believe I have an advance on your Penny Scott Francis shout out because Penny got in touch to say that she was mortified to have misremembered what she filled in on our shout-out form. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I've just read out what was wrong. Yes, I was supposed to to update that, and I forgot. Uh, So... She can. She she actually has corrected it and said actually it was 1975 and Martina lost to Margaret Court, not Billie Jean. Uh, and Billie Jean is the most amazing person. I loved her autobiography all in, um, and uh, I just would like to put that straight. Look, Penny, there is no shame in substituting Margaret Court in your memories with Billie Jean King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't uh, want to mix those two up. <laughs> uh, lovely stuff, Penny. Good save, David. 
Thanks very much, everyone involved. Uh, we've also got Thomas Rondo, who is originally from Belgium, but currently living in New York. I believe I've met Thomas at the US Open. Hey, Thomas. Like Thomas Hello, Muster. Thomas. An inquest. Indeed. And Johansson. Very They're good. flying now. Thank you very much, Thank Thomas. Thank you very much, Thomas. Thank you. And finally, as, we, as we've now moved into four shout outs per episode, we have Tamara Glennie, who says, Aww. my namesakes in tennis are Tamara Zidansek, who is here this week, and Tamara Kolpach, who's not. <laughs> She's done a better job with the shout outs than we have. Brilliant. Well I done, Tamara. I was watching Tamara Kolpach the other day. Why was I watching Tamara Kolpach the other day? She won a title the other day, didn't she? Oh, Maybe that's it was to why do with then. That. Yeah. There we hmm. go. Thank you, Tamara. Thanks, Tamara. <laughs> uh, more shout outs tomorrow, folks. I bet you can't wait. We can't wait. We'll be back in just a few hours from now. It's a double podcast day. It's a daily podcast week. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you very, very soon. 